Hello, everybody. My name is Andrew, and I'm Cassie, and this is the Culips English Podcast. Hello, Culips listeners. Welcome back to another edition of Real Talk. I'm Andrew, and I'm here today with my co-host Cassie. And today we're going to be exploring a topic that I think many of us have encountered at some point in our lives. And that is dealing with noisy neighbors. Maybe it's neighbors who are playing loud music, or having a late night party, or perhaps even construction noise. Noisy neighbors can be a real challenge. But don't worry, we've got some practical tips here that will help you navigate this situation without losing your cool. So, as I mentioned, Cassie is here today to help me with this episode. So we should say hello to her. Hey there, Cassie. Hey Andrew, and hey listeners! I'm excited to talk about this topic. I've been pretty lucky to not have noisy neighbors in my life, but I know some friends and family who have had horror stories in the past dealing with their noisy neighbors. Cass, you've never had a noisy neighbor your whole life. Yeah, I'm very lucky. Very lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Cassie, you are very lucky indeed. I've had that situation happen to me several times in the past, and I gotta say, it's not too pleasant. But anyways, everyone, we're going to get into our lesson here in just a moment. But before we do, I want to tell you all about the study guide and the interactive transcript for this episode. Of course, we believe that the best way to improve your English fluency with Qlips. Is by following along with our study guides because inside, like I said, you'll have the interactive transcript plus so much more, including detailed vocabulary explanations, real life usage examples, so you can get a feeling and see how native speakers actually use the key expressions in their everyday lives. There's also a quiz and more in the study guide. You can download it. And follow along as you listen, and it's available for all Culips members. So if you're not a Culips member yet, but you're interested in signing up and becoming a member, then just visit our website Culips.com. That's the place where you can do it. Okay, now let's get into today's topic: noisy neighbors. We have got some practical tips for you all today on how to navigate this situation with. Dealing with your noisy neighbors without losing your cool, Cassie. I love that expression "without losing your cool" or "to lose your cool." And I think one way that we could think of this expression is that the emotion anger is usually associated with being hot, right? We sometimes say、uh, when you're really angry, you blow your lid. To blow your lid, and that always makes me think of like a boiling kettle or a boiling pot of water, and the water is just boiling so hot that it makes the lid come off the pot or the lid come off the kettle. And often, when you're watching, you know, cartoons, and a cartoon character gets angry, they'll turn really red and hot, and you might see steam coming out of their ears or something. And even when a person like me, I mean, everybody's different, but at least when I get really angry. Then my face turns red as well, and sometimes I even get hot in temperature. So anger is often associated with being hot. Now, on the other hand, calm and relaxed—that is often associated with being cool, right? You're cool, you're calm, you're collected. So they're opposite feelings and opposite temperatures, right? 
So if you lose your cool, that means that you lose that calmness, that relaxed state, and instead you become angry. So yeah, this is a great expression to know that you can use whenever you change from having that calm demeanor, that calm personality, to becoming very angry. I can't imagine you losing your cool, Andrew. You always seem as cool as a cucumber. So calm. (laughs) It doesn't happen very often, but from time (laughs) to time, I do lose my cool. (laughs) So in this episode, we're going to be talking about ways and phrases that you can use to let your neighbors know how you feel without causing bad feelings in the relationship between you two. Because the only thing worse than a noisy neighbor is a neighbor that hates you. Yeah, exactly. And this is a difficult situation, Cassie, right? We're going to share some tips. We're going to share some expressions that people can use if they're dealing with this situation. But it's not a magic bullet, right? It's not like these are guaranteed to work in every situation. If... Your noisy neighbor is a reasonable person. Maybe if they didn't know that they were bothering you, then I think this kind of advice and these expressions could be really, really practical. But, you know, the world is composed of many different kinds of people. Some are kind and understanding, and others are just jerks. And no matter what you say or no matter what you do, will not stop them from behaving the way that they want to behave. So, of course, I think everybody knows that this is a touchy situation sometimes when you have to approach somebody and ask them to change their behavior for you. But yeah, if you keep that in mind, listeners, then I think you'll be able to learn a lot from this episode. And it's just something to keep in mind. So Cassie, I can see that you have a couple of tips prepared for us. And maybe we should talk about those tips before we listen to the key example conversation for this episode. Sounds good. So tip number one is to research your building's guidelines. So if you see that there's already written rules about quiet hours or noise levels in the building, then you can use that as evidence when you go and talk to your neighbor. Say like, hey buddy, we're supposed to be quiet after 11 p.m., but I can still hear you stomping all over the ceiling at midnight. Mm-hmm, exactly. So especially if you live in an apartment building, right, often there will be some rules that everybody in the building has to follow. So it really depends on the kind of noise too, right, Cassie? If somebody in an apartment building is blaring their music really loud after midnight or 11 p.m. or whatever the quiet hour is, well, that can be a really easy situation to follow because the rule is very black and white. But in the case of hearing some footsteps, you know, depending on how the apartment building is built, sometimes people can just be walking around regularly and actually it causes a lot of noise for the people who live below. I lived in one apartment when I was a university student going to the University of Victoria in Victoria, Canada. And I lived in this old character house. And a character house, at least in Canada, this is what we refer to as a character house, is like an older house built around a 100 years ago. So this was an old house, lovely house, beautiful house, but it had been divided into several apartments. So the main floor of the house was where the owner lived with his family. And then 
on the upper floor, it had been divided into three or four different apartments. I can't remember exactly how many, but I had one of them. However, the family and the owner that lived on the ground floor were quite noisy, and we could never tell if they were being noisy on purpose or if it was just because, you know, the house was over a hundred years old and wasn't built with soundproofing in mind, so to speak. And the owner had two boys that were, you know, I don't know, maybe grade five, grade six age. So they're always running around, lots of energy, playing soccer, playing basketball, playing hockey in the house. So it was loud. But I remember my neighbor sometimes would get this big broomstick and bang on the floor trying to get the landlord, because he was the owner of the house. So he was the landlord on the ground floor, you know, to be quiet at night because the boys were playing. I never thought that was the greatest strategy. I think it's better to be a little more direct and maybe just talk one-on-one instead of just, you know, being passive aggressive like that and banging a broom on the floor trying to get them to be quiet. I guess that neighbor was giving them a taste of their own medicine, so to speak. That's true. But what you just said leads into tip number two, which is to be friendly when letting your neighbor know that you're a bit too loud. So just like you said earlier, instead of passive aggressively banging on the floor or rushing downstairs and demanding that your neighbor turn it down, approaching them in a respectful and calm manner will probably help things go a whole lot faster and smoother. Mm -hmm. Completely agree. All right, and we have one more tip. What is tip number three? Tip number three is to keep a record of all the messages or conversations that you've had with each other about the noise issue so that if your neighbor doesn't follow through with the conversation that you had with each other, you could bring it up to the superintendent of your building and tell them, you know, I tried to solve this problem on my own, but they ignored me. What should I do now? Yeah, that's a really good point. Often, we don't really know the contact information for our neighbors, right? Like, you know, the way that society is these days, usually we're not really too close with people in the apartment building that we're living in. At least when I lived in a big apartment building, I knew my immediate neighbors by sight. If I saw them, I recognize them and I wave hello. It's not like we are close or anything, but people a few doors down, I didn't even really know who lived in those apartments. So it would be very difficult these days to write a message instead of actually talking to somebody face-to-face. I think often in this kind of situation, you do have to have a face-to-face conversation at first. However, if possible, Cassie, what you said is exactly correct, that I think emailing or sending a text message is actually better than speaking face-to-face just because you have proof of the conversation, you have evidence of it. So I know that it's really almost impossible to do that at the start. You could like knock on your neighbor's door and be like, hello, what's your email address? I want to message you. (laughs) But that's a little weird. I don't know if I would give my email out to a stranger knocking on my door in that kind of situation. But you're right. If you can have a record of this, it could just be helpful down the line. You never know when you might need a record of that conversation. So amazing tips, Cassie. Thank you for sharing those with us. And now that we know about all of this background information, 
why don't we get to the main part of today's episode, which is listening to an example conversation. So in this conversation, we're going to hear two neighbors talking, and one of the neighbors is having a difficult time because her apartment is very noisy because her other neighbor has a brand new puppy, which is making a lot of noise and keeping her up at night. So let's take a listen in and see how she confronts that neighbor, or maybe I should say approaches that neighbor, how she approaches that neighbor to deal with that situation. So here we go. Let's take a listen now. Hey, Brian. Uh, hey, Sarah. What's up? I hope I'm not bothering you, but I wanted to talk to you about something. Yeah, yeah, sure. What's on your mind? Well, first off, I wanted to say that I'm really happy for you and your new puppy. Thanks. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, he's adorable. However, I've noticed that he seems quite excited during the evenings, and the barking and playing noises have been a bit loud, especially when I'm trying to wind down after work. Ah, oh, I'm really sorry about that. I didn't realize the noise was causing any issues. You know, Teddy's still adjusting to his new home, and I guess he gets a bit restless in the evenings. Yeah, I totally understand. Puppies can be a handful, and I'm glad you're giving Teddy a loving home. I just wanted to bring it up because I wake up really early for work, and I've been having a bit of trouble falling to sleep listening to Teddy's nails pitter-pattering across the floor. Yeah, I could imagine that that would be pretty difficult to fall asleep like that. I really appreciate your understanding, and I've been trying to crate train Teddy, but it seems like he's more active during those hours at night, so maybe I could buy some rugs to dampen the sound of his nails or something like that. That sounds like a great idea, and maybe you could try to schedule his playtime a bit earlier in the evening so that he's calmer later on. That way we could both enjoy our evenings in peace. Yeah, that's a great idea too. You know, I don't want to be a nuisance to anyone or risk Teddy being unwelcome in the building. So thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, thank you so much for understanding. It really means a lot to me. Yeah, of course. And if it ever gets too noisy again, then just let me know. And hey, if you ever want to meet Teddy or, you know, if you need anything, don't hesitate to ask. I'd love to meet Teddy sometime. Thanks, Brian. Well, we'll talk soon. Give Teddy a scratch behind the ears for me. Yep, will do. See you later. Alright, so we just listened to a conversation where two neighbors, Sarah and Brian, had a conversation. And the conversation was about Brian's new puppy named Teddy. And so I think anybody who has had a puppy in the past knows that they are quite active, they have lots of energy, they run around, sometimes they even bark, and, you know, in an apartment situation, that can cause a lot of noise for the neighbors, and this is what happened in this exact situation. So Sarah went over to Brian's apartment, knocked on his door, and had a conversation asking Brian to keep things down a little bit and to try and control the amount of noise that Teddy creates, and... Cassie, I have to say, I think like that character, Sarah, she seemed almost like a dog trainer. She had a lot of good advice for Brian. Yeah, maybe she has a dog herself, but her dog is old like your pinky, so they're not as noisy anymore. 
Yeah, perhaps that was the case. And yeah, it seemed like they were also friendly with each other. Like they knew each other's names and their conversation was quite casual. So I think that does make things a little bit easier, right? If you need to approach a neighbor in this situation, if you know the neighbor already, then it is easier than just talking to a stranger, essentially. But what I'd like to do now, Cassie, is to go back through this conversation and let's find some of the key sentences and repeat them for our listeners and explain them in a bit more detail. So I'm wondering what popped out to you, Cassie, when you listened to that conversation? I think the starting sentence that Sarah used was really useful because the way she approached Brian was one, polite, and two, approachable. (laughs) What she said was, I hope I'm not bothering you, but I wanted to talk to you about something. Mm -hmm. I hope I'm not bothering you but I wanted to talk to you about something. Yeah, that is a nice way to say that you have something to say, (laughs) right? You're trying to tell the person that you want to have a conversation about something. And what does it mean exactly bothering you? I hope I'm not bothering you. To bother someone, what does that mean? Yeah, it means like, I hope I'm not interrupting something important or, you know, you might be relaxing at home and I'm bringing this situation upon you. So I'm sorry for the inconvenience, for bothering you, for taking up your time. Mm -hmm, Exactly. And we can also see in this sentence, I wanted to talk to you about something. And sometimes English learners get a little bit confused about this kind of sentence because want is actually in the past tense. I wanted to talk to you about something, but that just is something that we do in English when we want to make our language sound softer and we want to make our requests sound even more polite than they would if we used it in the present tense. So we put it in the past tense just to create some distance and make it feel more polite. So a nice expression to know to add to your vocabulary and a great one to use in this situation. I hope I'm not bothering you, but I wanted to talk to you about something. So then the neighbor, Brian, he goes, yeah, of course. What's on your mind? What's on your mind? And this is one of the expressions that popped out to me. What's on your mind? And it's just another way of saying, what's the problem? What do you want to talk about? What's up? right? All of these expressions you could use in that situation. I really like this one. What's on your mind? And if something is on your mind, it means you're thinking about it, right? Exactly. I think Brian could clearly see that Sarah was a little bit anxious about something. She was thinking about something a lot. So that's why he asked her, what's on your mind? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is actually just a nice question that you could ask whenever you notice Maybe one of your friends is acting a little bit different than normal. Maybe they seem like they're deep in thought, like they're thinking about something in particular. Then you, you know, you want to reach out and ask like, oh, what are you thinking about? Like, are you okay? What's on your mind? It's a nice question to ask in this kind of situation. Cassie, what else jumped out at you? This is a phrase that isn't about noisy neighbors, but Sarah said that she was having trouble winding down after work because of Teddy's noise. 
to wind down after work is to relax. When you are at work, you know, you're kind of tense, you have a lot of things going on, maybe your shoulder muscles start to hurt and you just feel exhausted. So to wind down means to relax. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you're winding down, it's like the last little bit of your day, maybe before you go to sleep. So most people wind down after finishing work, but you could even use this expression too when you're talking about many different situations, like maybe a store, for example. Let's just say the store is open from 10 a.m. until 8 p.m. And then maybe you want to go into the store and it's like 7.55 p.m. And you go into the store and the staff are like winding down and getting ready to go home. And then you could be like, oh, actually, maybe I'll come back a different time once you notice that the store is almost closed, right? So even things like the store could be winding down for the day and it just means they're getting ready to close. So it's a very nice expression to use when you are getting ready to stop doing an activity. Another expression that I noticed when listening to this conversation was the way that Brian, the neighbor, reacted. So the character Sarah, you know, said, oh, your puppy Teddy, he's adorable. But at the same time, he's really making my life miserable because he is loud at night and I can't sleep very well. I'm having problems trying to fall asleep because of Teddy's nails scratching across the floor. So when Brian heard that, then he reacted by saying, I really appreciate your understanding, meaning like, I'm glad that you approached me and you talked about this. And I'm also glad that you didn't really get angry at me. Like you came and approached me like a rational adult and you didn't, you know, lose your cool with me. You just came and talked to me like on a personal level. So that is why he said, I really appreciate your understanding. Cassie, would there be any other situations where you would use an expression like this? I think the first part, I really appreciate something. For example, um, I often say, oh, I really appreciated your help today. If you had a big task that you couldn't finish by yourself, you might ask a friend or a colleague for help. And if they help you, after you're both done, you could say, oh, I really appreciated your help today. I really needed it. Mm -hmm. This is an expression that I use with my students a lot, actually, is when they complete a project for me and I can tell that they've worked hard on that project. No matter what their grade is, you know, sometimes you can work really hard and still get not a great grade, right? Unfortunately, that's life. But I always say, oh, I really appreciate your hard work because I know how much work and effort they put into it. So yeah, this is a great flexible expression that you can use whenever you want to express your appreciation, your thanks for somebody else doing something for you. All right, the next phrase. After Brian says his appreciation, I really appreciate your understanding, Sarah gives some advice. And then Brian says, thanks for that advice. And thanks for coming and talking to me in person. Thanks for bringing that up. This phrase, thanks for bringing that up, is really useful. It's someone that is acknowledging that you took the time to come and talk to them in person and try to solve a problem one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So to bring something up, 
can mean different things in different situations, but it is an expression that we use often when we're talking about bringing a topic of conversation up, about starting a conversation about something. And Cassie, I heard this expression last night actually when I was watching an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, that old TV show. I don't know if you've ever seen it before or not, but it's one of my favorites. And I was recently talking about it with a coworker, so I decided to go back and rewatch the show. And so the situation in the show was the main character, Larry, was having a conversation with his wife, and it was a little bit of an embarrassing situation that they were talking about. And then later, his wife, you know, this is a few days later, his wife had one of her friends over to the house, and they were talking about that embarrassing situation. And when they both started talking to Larry about that embarrassing thing, then he lost his cool, he blew up, he got really angry, and he said, why did you have to bring that up? <laughs> why did you have to talk about the embarrassing thing in my life with your friend as well? So yeah, a very, very, very common expression that we can use to talk about starting a conversation or talking about a certain topic. All right, Andrew, we have one more phrase from this conversation today. Can you introduce that one to us as well? Yeah, so right towards the end of the conversation, we hear the two characters kind of wrapping things up and ending their conversation. And Brian says, if you ever want to meet my puppy, uh, or if you ever need anything, then don't hesitate to ask. Don't hesitate to ask. And again, this is a perfect expression for many, many, many different situations in English, but it's a great one to use in this kind of context as well. And let's break it down. So to hesitate means to stop and think before going forward with an action. Or maybe you decide to abort and cancel the action that you want to do, right? You kind of stop to think about something. So if you don't hesitate, that means you don't even think about it. You just do it right away. And you don't hesitate to ask. So it's a kind of expression that we can use when we want to say, you know, like I would use this kind of thing with you, Cassie. Like if you ever need help, if you ever need something, then don't even hesitate to ask me. Just ask right away because I'm always willing to help you. So it's a very polite and kind thing. And if somebody says this to you, then, you know, they've got your back. Exactly. Yeah. For example, if Sarah went down to Brian and said, you know, your dog's a little noisy and Brian went, well, who cares? It's just a dog. Then she would maybe hesitate to ask him for help later because he wasn't very approachable. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if there is some other kind of issue in their relationship down the road, well, now she knows that he's a pretty relaxed and open-minded guy and isn't really going to get too upset. He can deal with problems in a rational way. So in the future, if she did have an issue, then she could approach him and talk to him right away. He's expressing that, you know, he's open-minded to that in the future. We're almost at the end of today's episode, everyone. But before we go, we should summarize what we covered so Cassie, would you break it down and do the summary for us? <laughs> yes. So today we learned about ways that you can bring up a complaint to your neighbor without causing tension. And we learned some useful expressions when doing that. Mm -hmm. So we learned expressions like, what's on your mind? A way to ask somebody 
what's up or what they're thinking about. Also, I really appreciate your understanding, which you can use when somebody accepts what you say without really losing their cool. And we also learned about don't hesitate to ask, another great expression to add to your vocabulary when you want to communicate to someone that if they have a question or need help in the future, then they can ask without even thinking about it because you will be willing to help them. And we also learned some interesting expressions that you could use in a variety of different conversations, such as losing your cool, to wind down, and to bring something up. That is it for us for today, everyone. We have made it to the end. So congratulations on, well, making it all the way to the end of this episode. That's amazing. And we hope that you learned a lot with us today. Our website is qlips.com. If you want to get the study guide, including the transcript and practice exercises for this episode, check it out on our website, qlips.com, to download it. Becoming a QLips member is a great way to support the work that we do here at QLips, but it's not the only way. You could also support us by leaving us a five-star rating and a nice review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. You could tell your friends about QLips, or you could join us on our Discord server or follow us on Instagram, and we'll put the links to our Discord server in the description for this episode so that you can follow and join us there. And we'll keep the conversation going on the Discord as well. So please join us there so you can take part in it. We'll be back soon with another brand new episode and we'll talk to you all then. Goodbye. See ya.